0: Hey everybody! Welcome to the "You Were Born for This" podcast with Father John Ricardo. That's me. I'm your host. I'm Father John. I am the executive director at Acts Twenty Nine, where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transformation in the church. And I'm here again with my dear friend, teammate, family member, Mary Gilfoyle. How you doing, Mary?
1: I'm great, Father John. It's great to be here today.
0: Nick's hiding under the table. Nope, Nick's not here again. But. Uh, <laughs> Nick, Nick's really still part of the team, isn't he? Yes, he yeah, is. Yeah, he is. We're just giving you grief, brother. We look forward to having you back on a podcast soon. Uh, we miss your voice, and um, there's yes, plenty of oxygen in the room for you. So, Mary, what's our topic?
1: Yeah, so Father John, our topic today is um, a look at the heart and the mind of a seminarian.
0: Oh, that's awesome! I love that because I know how passionate you are about uh, our brothers in the seminary. I know you're, yes, you're kind of like I am. a spiritual mom to uh, a lot of guys here in the Archdiocese of Detroit and, and elsewhere, too, but especially yeah. in Detroit. This could yeah. be fun. It,
1: it was a, it's going to be a blessed conversation. We're eager to share with all of you what it is we were able to do this uh, over the last couple weeks. So, Father John, how about we pray?
0: Let's do that. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, as we continue our Lenten pilgrimage, uh, we look forward to the great celebration of uh, what you've accomplished for us in the life and the death and the resurrection of your son, we pray in a very special way right now for our brothers who are in formation, who are soon to be standing at the altar, celebrating the sacred mysteries, guiding and leading the flock uh, in the celebration of the sacraments, breaking open the word of God, uh, accompanying them in all the different ways that you call a priest to do. Lord, we pray that all our brothers— Uh, would be refreshed even now with an outpouring of your Holy Spirit, that you would protect them from any and all discouragement, that you would remind them that you've created them to be alive now at this time with everything that's happening, that uh, they all play an essential role in the work that you have for the Church in these days so that those who do not yet know you, nor your Son Jesus, might come to know you we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. the name of the, the Father, Father, Son, the Son and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. So we talk often, Mary, about, uh, you know, we try to give people something like a glimpse behind the curtain, right, of right, what's going on in the life of the priesthood. So oftentimes when we're out talking to the lay faithful in different parts of the country, we uh, we do a presentation, and part of it's just entitled The Unspoken Crisis, where we kind of give them a a look behind the veil of what's going on in the priesthood. The spoken crisis is the sex abuse crisis, but uh, that's a small number of guys with devastating impacts, uh, as we both know pretty deeply. But the, the the real crisis is just what's going on in the life of the priest, right?
1: Right, Father John. So so... Um... We often talk about how when we when we travel around the country and we and we do work with priests, like we, uh, our desire is to pour into them., yeah. And I think what happens so beautifully is then they, in turn pour their hearts out to us, and they entrust some things to us that have allowed us a glimpse into their world and their heart and their struggles. And that's an extraordinary place to be. That's really holy ground.
0: yeah, and then we can we're, you know, without re- revealing you know who or when or where. Uh, we're able to share that with people, uh, which helps the, the our brothers and sisters to pray for right. uh, their brothers who are serving as priests. And Absolutely. so in an analogous kind of way, what we want to do now is kind of give them a look at the heart and the mind of a seminarian. So um, we had a chance recently to be at a seminary and to have a little bit of time to spend, I think we spent about three hours, right, with about eight guys.
1: We did. It was a joy. We had the privilege of being invited by one of the professors there, and I, and I think... Um, I think she enjoyed it as much as 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 they did as we
0: did. Yeah, I think we enjoyed it more than they did. Yeah. <laughs> but it was it was a great time. And so we were there and uh you know kind of like what we do when we're with priests or when we're with lay people we shared we we shared with them uh what we call our three fundamental convictions, right? That you're you're not alive by chance right now, that uh, the world's crying and that the church is crying. And so if the church is crying and she's supposed to be the means by which the world cry can get answered. How does the church get well? And we think the answer to that are the three essential principles.
1: Reacquiring a biblical worldview, recognizing that it's not enough to be a staff, and that God is the architect.
0: Yeah. So we shared that with them. Right. uh, And it was great. We had a great conversation, you know, like uh, really good dialogue and uh, good Q&A and some good challenges for us, I think uh, as as we uh, as we wrapped up the day. But we've kind of gotten into the habit now, uh, one of our friends who did some team building with us of doing this exercise before we even start, right?
1: It's so helpful. It, it kind of allows us to get a pulse of where you know, where everybody is. So it's a thinking feeling exercise, and it's more or less. I mean, some people process things on one side of the brain versus the other side of the brain. so the left and right side of the brain. so we we tee it up by asking the guys, What are you thinking right now? And then what are you feeling right now? So it kind of gives us an idea of like what the Holy Spirit is doing in their hearts, and then we just try to capture that.
0: Yeah, it's it's actually a really great way to begin meetings. You know, when you're out with people, um, it just gives you a a sense of like, what's the pulse of the people in the room, right? right? Like, in real time, where are you, uh, the people who are here, um, so that I know who I'm talking with, right? So you're always up at the whiteboard. Mm -hmm. Boom. So what are you thinking? Like we just ask people really quick, what are you thinking and how are you feeling as you walk into this little presentation that Acts 29 is mm-hmm. here, right? So boom, you put thinking up there, or maybe even just put a T. So what were some of the things that guys were thinking as we walked into the day? What's going on in the mind mm-hmm. in 2021 of a man who's soon to be ordained a priest and step out right. into the ugliness and the challenges mm-hmm. of the culture in the church right now? Right.
1: So these men clearly are thinking like there's a lot of work. There's a lot of work to do. And how are they going to accomplish the work that God's inviting them to do? Mm. And as you were just mentioning, you know, one of our fundamental convictions is that the church is crying. They acknowledge that the church is crying. And even this was so beautiful it, right? even before we said it and they Maybe they listened to the podcast. Perhaps. <laughs> and and they're eager to answer. That cry, yeah. and and given all of that, they they were um, they were feeling excited and overwhelmed and concerned and uh, a, a little bit discouraged, and I'd say really feeling the weight of the great responsibility yeah, that they were going to be shouldering.
0: I came away from just even that initial thinking feeling exercise with um, just a lot of respect for the guys and a great sense of gratitude. Like these guys, they get it. There was no illusion. Um, they weren't naive. um they're not in some you know ivory tower.
1: They're not studying in a bubble,
0: right? yeah, exactly. they uh, they have a they they have a good pulse of what's going on in the church and in the world uh, and in the diocese that they come from. These guys came from a a, a fair number of dioceses, so that was kind of it was great to see that actually. they mm-hmm. were representative of four or five different dioceses, which was beautiful. So we broke open what we did, right, and then um kind of went deep into those convictions and the essential principles, and really began to share with them some of the things that we see in the lives of priests, Mm -hmm. what we hear from the priests, you know? So then we did another thinking feeling. So after, I think we took like an hour and a half or something like that to present, um, and we asked them again, so what are you thinking now, and how are you feeling now? And so what's in the minds and hearts of the guys now? Um, I, I think one word
1: captured all of what they were thinking afterwards. They were actually, I think, relieved, Father John, that someone was talking about what they themselves, the brothers, are talking about themselves.
0: Yeah, which almost kind of seemed to implicate that it's not necessarily being talking about exactly. or talked about in the seminary.
1: Exactly. I, I don't
0: know that that's true, but it's it, that was kind of the impression. But they're talking about it.
1: They're talking about it. And the fact that someone else is talking about it, it's kind of like, oh, someone else sees this, right? Yeah. And then... Um, what were they feeling? I think they were inspired. Um, some of the gentlemen said they were felt the, a privilege, right, stepping into all of this. They felt appropriately challenged and... And they're grateful that there's a ministry. I thought this was so beautiful that there is a ministry out there. And I'm sure we're not the only one. There are some great apostolates out there that have a heart for priests. Mm-hmm. But I think they appreciated there's some leaders out there who see the priest. And appreciate what they're walking into. Yeah, in
0: fact, when that guy said that, I immediately thought of the scene in The Chosen. Mm. Um, in fact, I mentioned that, and the guy's like, he's nodding his head like, yes, I know exactly yeah. where you're going. And I'm yeah. like, remember that scene when Jesus says to Peter's wife, you know, I see you. And he's like, yes, that's exactly what this is like. You yeah. know, I just know somebody that's... sees me. Like, I'm not getting lost in all the craziness of what's going on. Someone's eyes are on me. They're aware of the fact that there's real difficult things going on, but it's okay. Okay like Absolutely. the lord sees me and and some of his ministers see me and because i know that's out there that's good news and i and i can kind of rest secure in that right there were right, a couple right. other things that um i think most especially we just want to maybe kind of raise up two things especially and sh- uh, let people know what our guys who are soon to be serving in your parishes are feeling what are those
1: yeah um these these uh these these men are afraid watching Their brothers fall so early on. What do you mean by that? In their priesthood, Uh, priests who are giving up within like the first year to three years of their of their priesthood.
0: Yeah, right. Like really good men. I mean, that's the most one of the most challenging things as a priest is brothers that you went through, and within who are great guys, oftentimes better guys than you are, holier guys than you are, smarter guys than you are, more passionate about Jesus than you are, and within five years they're gone. It's like, what the heck happened? Yeah, my you brothers. Know? Yeah, yeah, my brothers, my right? Brothers. And, and, and I remember uh, a priest said to me, I'm, I was in the seminary. There was uh, there were three of us. We were up, uh, where were we? We were somewhere in northern Italy. It was someplace that had something to do with one of Shakespeare's plays. That's all I remember at the moment. And uh, so it's three guys, daily mass, northern Italian town. Nobody's at mass, right? At least nobody under 80. And so we walk in. <laughs> And we stood out like a sore thumb. And it was a Tuesday, you know, and the priest walked up to us afterwards. He says, uh, you know, he's talking to us in Italian. So, you know, where are you from? And what are you doing here? So we said, yeah, we're in the seminary. And he just lit up. Oh, I mean, lit beautiful. up. I'll never well, forget this glorious. man. He was probably, yeah, he was somewhere in his 80s. He was just immediately joyful. And he said, come with me. And he invited us back into his rectory. And he, he made us some coffee. And he put some pastries in front of us. And, uh, and we talked. But the first thing he said to us, which I've just never forgotten. He says, brothers, never forget. We're all one man. Mm. And it was like, here's this guy. hes I'm not even a priest yet. He just knows I'm about to be. He's 50-some years older than I was at the time. And he looks at me and says, you're part of me. And, and I share that right now. I've never forgot that, but I share that because the, the pain right. that we experience when uh, either one of our brothers falls uh, and we all fall. Uh, or when one leaves, is just intense as all get out. Like, we don't share the same profession. Uh, you know, it's Paul's language, right? When one member of the body suffers, we all Absolutely. suffer. When one rejoices, we all rejoice, you know? Um, Monsignor Cusick, who was uh, my first pastor and your pastor mm-hmm. at Divine Child when I was first ordained, uh, he was 40 years older than I was. I had more energy than I did. Just a phenomenal first pastor for me. And... um, I remember he used to say to me all the time, you know, if I I might do something, because I I was teaching and preaching, and he was doing a lot more administration. And we'd get comments, you know, like positive feedback about some of the things that I was doing. And he says, you know, you just need me to tell you that uh, whenever they compliment you, they compliment me. Because they're complimenting the priesthood.
1: Right. Because we are one. we're all one. You are one. So, long way of saying... That's beautiful.
0: These guys are afraid because they're seeing... Guys fall, and it's a good thing to be aware of, Wow, well, if they can leave, mm-hmm. <laughs> then Lord, keep me strong, you know, like, help me to do everything that I need to do, find good supports, get good habits, have good friends, whatever, so that what's happening to other guys won't happen to me. Yeah. What, what was the other thing that they were feeling?
1: I, I think this was uh, something that we could probably all relate to. Um, these guys are angry, mm. right? right? They're angry at what it is they're being handed. And I don't know about you. I mean, we all feel that in different ways. But I would get most of us get that. Yeah, I actually think it's great to know,
0: isn't it? These guys are angry. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, how come this is the church I'm coming into? At the same time, like, the church has always been a mess, right? I mean, would you have rather been amongst the 12 with Judas handing over Jesus? No, clearly. Right. But it was encouraging, wasn't it, that they're— Righteously
1: justifiably angry. angry, yeah, right. But the beautiful thing is, I mean, they're not so angry. I mean, at one point, we were we had a conversation about this last week, um, that anger has to get quelled at some point, right? Yeah, I totally. mean. Yeah.
0: Can't, it can't become rage.
1: No, it cannot right? become rage. And then and and then, because if we stay in that place, we're not going to be free for that which God is inviting us to do.
0: Yeah, and we'll be totally ineffective as ministers. Right. So it's good to know It that was an
1: th- honest conversation. Which oh, it was, was awesome. Which was just the best. No,
0: I mean, uh, so uh, yeah, we, we, we were so encouraged, inspired, and edified by just seeing the guys who are... Who are coming to join the priesthood, and, uh, and we want to let you know that. And we want to say maybe a couple things with regards to that. So like, okay, so what, now what? You know, like right. What do we do with all this, right? So if you're a layman or woman listening to this right now, maybe a couple things to note. What, what, what can you do that could be uh, significantly helpful for these guys, you know, men who are you know, in your area who, uh, if you've got a seminary in your area, that can really help them. Well, first of all, pray for them by all means, right? Absolutely. So pray for them, write to them, maybe. Um, invite some guys over for meals. But one of the things that came to mind, I was talking to a seminarian the other day, great guy, he's probably three years away now from being ordained. And um, I asked him at one time, I said, uh, how many classes are you getting in preaching? He said, uh, two. I said, two? Two. He goes, yeah. I go. How do you feel about that? He goes, uh, a little underprepared. Yeah, not like, enough. Yeah, I would think so, right? I mean, you...
1: because that because as a, as a, as a person sitting in the pews, that's my primary experience with you is in church. You know, s- certainly on Sunday, but sometimes through the week, that's the only access I have to you is your preaching. So I'll bet a lot of right? people
0: right now are going, well, that explains everything, right? I mean, <laughs> you got two classes and preaching. <laughs> that's it. It's like talking to a doctor. It's like, yeah, I got a couple hours on surgery. <laughs> Like, uh, I was hoping for something a bit more, you know, as I go under the knife, right? So mindful of that, mindful that guys, they're not getting the opportunity uh, to preach much, you know, anywhere near in preparation for what they're going to do. Here's a thought that just came to mind as you and I were talking, right? Um, one of the challenges in, uh, in preaching is when you're listening to preaching, you can't ask questions. And the feedback that we typically get when we preach— is not very helpful, either like, oh, that was a great homily, which mm-hmm. is not helpful, or that homily was terrible, which is not helpful, so one of the thoughts we had was uh, in, invite these guys over, invite a guy over to your house, so say Stephen, and, you and Steve invite somebody over to your house, mm-hmm. and maybe you get six people, and you just say, Hey, you know like I got uh so and so coming over, and he's he just wants to offer a little teaching this week and you know, it's 20 minutes maybe, or it's, maybe it's a half hour, and he he wants to hone his craft. And so he's not preaching, he's really teaching, uh, but mindful that this is what he's going to do for a living, you know, in, in large part. And what he would love for us to do is listen, maybe ask some questions, um, be able to give some great feedback, like, that just flew over my head. You know, Mm -hmm. like, I didn't understand a thing that you were saying, Mm -hmm. or, man, that nailed it. Like, Mm -hmm. you spoke right to my heart. Mm -hmm. And just give him, like, real-time feedback where we can help, you know, get him out of church speak, out of heavy, intense theological language. So using all that theological background and all that scriptural background, but so as to really, like, mm, make an impact in someone's life, huh?
1: Right, just to get the feedback from the people that you're going to be preaching to every single week, right? That's That would be a massive win, I would imagine. Just the practicing, and we can practice on our own all we want. Yeah. But oftentimes, if I'm writing something and giving a talk, or some of my other friends have done that, hey, what do you think about this? Right? Right. Did I did I make the mark? Did I hit the mark? Right? Yeah, what I, am I missing?
0: I don't know where I got it from, but I ask the... When I'm teaching, I, I will ask the question a lot, and it's not mm-hmm. rhetorical, actually. Um, does this make sense to you? And... You can't do that in a homily. You can't just, hey, does this make sense to everybody? And some guy in the back, no, doesn't. You know? But in this kind of setting, you can. You know? So you're teaching something. Does this make sense? No.
1: And you know, one of the things that you've said before, Father John, is um, the people gathered for Sunday Mass are the most unique audience there is. Oh, yeah. Right? Because you have everyone from—we're um, all at different stages in our walk. And some people weren't even walking, quite frankly. Yeah, I
0: mean, some people love Jesus. They've been walking with him for decades. Other people, it's like, Jesus is absolutely irrelevant. I have no idea why I'm here. I got dragged here by my mom. Right? Right. I mean, that's the truth at church every Sunday. So for for people in the pews, you know, who love uh, the church, love the priesthood, want to try to help our brothers, pray for them, um, consider writing to them, invite them over for a meal, but then think of having them come over and do almost like a practicum, Mm -hmm. you know? So something similar for our brothers who are in the seminary, we had a couple thoughts too, and one of them is, um, find a way to start teaching now. It's going to be the thing you do over and over again, right? So like, maybe call up five, six friends, turn turn the tables on what we just proposed and say, hey, I want to teach, maybe it's a Bible study, Maybe it's maybe it's something on sexuality, maybe it's on whatever the topic might be. And I just want to teach it, and I want to get good at this. And I want to learn like how to do this well so that I can be impactful, right?
1: Right, and it's bearing fruit all at the same time.
0: Yeah, because it's right? not a practicum, right. it's real time. You're
1: really opening up the yeah. Word of God, yeah. you're really praying together, you're really studying together, you're forming one another. So yeah, that's a, that would be a win for everybody.
0: Yeah, I would think so, huh? So start teaching. Another thing would be, um, make it a point to listen to good preaching, right? Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, there's not a lot out there, but but there is some. But there is some. Yeah, thanks be to God. I used to listen to Timothy Keller. I don't listen to any Catholics, but I used to listen to Tim Keller. Um, he's a uh, evangelical uh, Presbyterian in New York, and it, so most of his churches, you know, agnostic uh, or seekers and. I don't know anybody who's able to take an audience who's not even sure they believe in God and dive deeply into the Word of God with them as quickly as he can. He's remarkable. He's got a bizarre—everybody's got a different style of preaching. His is just kind of crazy to me, but man, does it work. So I listen to him, and I read other people too. Um, So, I mean, find a way to listen to, you know, good Catholic priests or good bishops— Or or good preachers, I should say, or good Protestants, because it can be helpful just to see how people do this in a way that reaches you, and then try to like replicate what what it is that you can without becoming a clone. I don't want anybody to clone. I certainly don't want anybody to clone me, and I don't want to clone anybody else. We just start like grabbing out of the storehouse the new and the old, and then we meld it all into something that's personal and unique to us, right?
1: Right, and then maybe even um, start send those homilies.
0: Ooh, so start writing homilies.
1: Start, So, so start yeah. writing your homilies oh, now, and then, and then send them to someone that you respect.
0: Yeah, so break and that it, open real quick. So first of all, you got to write a homily, even though you're not preaching, so right? You have Is to, that y- what you're saying?
1: Right, so you have to pray, you know... Pray through it. Write your homily. So and
0: as if you are a priest if you now are already and you're going to preach.
1: Absolutely. I love
0: that. That's a great idea.
1: And then just send it to someone that you respect, someone someone that you know who will read this and give you great feedback. Yeah. And Father John, I know that there are men that send you their homilies on a regular basis. Yeah, and I are have a few o-
0: priests that do that. Yeah, and, really and I think that's
1: beautiful. That. Yeah.
0: So th- this is huge. Homily? I just want to make sure we get this. So even though you're not ordained yet, start... Writing homilies as if you're going to be preaching this coming weekend. Like, get into the habit now of looking at the readings on Sunday, praying with them, and then writing out a homily. It could just be a short, you know, like two page homily by the end of the week, so that you can get into the habit of this craft, right? This Mm -hmm. art, because it is an art and it's a charism, right? It's both. It's an art and a charism. God gives the grace and start praying now, like, Lord anoint me and teach me how to preach Mm. in such a way that I will be able by your grace to break open people's hearts so that they can come to know you like this. I'm amazed how many guys like, oh man, I got to come up with a homily. No, you get to bust open the word of God for people and lead them into an encounter with Jesus, you know, and through Jesus to the Mm. father, by the power of the spirit.
1: And the Lord is going to speak to every priest's heart uniquely. Because you're you're unique, men. Absolutely. And the message that he wants to speak through you, he's going to give uniquely to you.
0: And and I, I know for and, me anyway, as a as a priest, there is nothing I do that is more generative, more life giving than preaching. Because it's not about emptying my head of information; it's about f- leading you into a deeper encounter uh, with the Lord, and 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 sharing with you what he's doing with me as I'm meditating on His Word as well, which is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, right?
1: And just to—another just thought came to me, I mean, um, those of us who are sitting in the pews, it's really clear if what a a, a priest is giving to us is the fruit of his prayer. I mean, that's so clear. And um, uh, it's easy to follow um, priests who pray, because what they're giving— to us is what the Father has given you in prayer, and you can tell. They
0: didn't and get it's... it from like Homily.com. No, probably not. <laughs> not even the premium site. <laughs> it's like five ninety nine a month. Yeah.
1: No, but, but but
0: you can tell. Yeah, and, absolutely. And that's beautiful. Yeah, right? praise God. Yeah. Praise God. So let's let's do this. Huh? Let's, let's pray for an anointing of the Holy Spirit upon all those who break open the Word of God and on all those who are preparing for it. I mean, there's a famine in the land. It's uh, just like in the Old Testament. And the famine is for the Word of God, right? Because revelation is healing. Always. But Scripture is not always intelligible to everybody who's reading it. And so we need great preachers to break it open. So brothers in the seminary, training, who are preparing to come join the front lines in ministry, guys, you were made for this moment. Like the Lord destined you to be alive right now, and we can't wait to have you at the altar. We can't wait to have you breaking open the scriptures for us. We can't wait to see the radiance of the life of Jesus shining through you in your words and your actions. We're praying for you. We love you. We support you. We're behind you. And most importantly, do not be afraid because God is with you and you were born for this.